a dogcast. My name is David Farb, animal behavior specialist, and I'm broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me again today. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday, and you're going to want to check them out. Now, you can also follow me on Instagram at speakadogcast, and be sure you do because you can check out our brand new Training Tip Tuesdays on Instagram. Yes, a brand new dog training tip coming to you every single Tuesday, so be sure you subscribe and check it out. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash speakadogcast, and if you want to support the show even further, become a patron of the show today at patreon.com slash speakadogcast. And of course, guys, if you love what you're hearing, if you love the podcast, do me a favor. It really helps the podcast grow. Do me a favor. Scroll down. Click that five-star rating or leave me a review. I would really appreciate it. Again, guys, it's only going to help the podcast get bigger and bigger the more awesome reviews we get. So if you love what you're hearing, give me that great review. Thank you. Now, on today's show, it's Happy Booms Day. <laughs> Any of you guys ever seen that show? I saw a clip. Of, I think it's called Housebroken, right? Show about dogs and a lot of celebrity voices, you know, cartoon thing, whatever. Anyway, the point is they call it New Year's Day booms day because they're dogs they don't get it it's just booms happy booms day <laughs> so we're gonna be talking about new year's especially those fireworks with your dogs and how to deal with that just a little bit better then comes the question do you need another dog it's the new year but do you need another dog we'll talk about that <laughs> then comes the history of animal mascots 101 followed by the listener Q&A. If you have any dog training questions, animal-related questions, any kind of questions at all, you can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com, or message me on social media. Your question might get featured in this show. Now, before we get going with today's show, I have to give you that trivia question. Today's question is going to be, what is the only other mammal besides a bat that can glide? Yes, what is the only other mammal besides a bat that can glide? I will give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's podcast, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speaking Dogcast, Happy Booms Day. Yes, like I said, reference to a show, a clip of a show I've seen. Um, called Housebroken. They, the, it's an animated show, anthropomorphizing dogs, right? And of course, the dogs all freak out when it's going to be New Year's and they call it Booms Day. <laughs> they don't know what it is. It's just loud booms, right? Um, so we have to talk about New Year's. Now, of course, there are the, the things that kind of go along with Christmas, things that we just talked about in a segment previous to this, about the food and the alcohol and leaving doors open. Guys, Really simple, basic stuff. I mean, I'm just being honest. Really simple, basic stuff is going to help keep you, your family, your pets, everybody safe on New Year's Eve. It's a tough holiday. It's a tough holiday for pets with the fireworks. And, you know, as I tell people, it's one of these things with fireworks where some dogs we can make great strides working and training even just on two holidays a year, maybe five days total a year we have fireworks. But a lot of dogs need more than that to work through something um, such as fireworks, right? My point is, it's very hard. It's very hard to set up fireworks and and practice it with our dogs and teach them to overcome it because fireworks only happen a handful of times a year. So it's one of these things where it's a behavior I prefer to look at as let's manage what's going on. Let's manage the behaviors and manage the couple hours we have to deal with this out of the year versus trying to totally overcome it. Does that make sense? Because it's kind of like I said, it's just going to be hard to replicate. Um, fireworks over and over, short of literally going and buying fireworks and sending them off and using food and, and trying to recondition a dog to not be fearful to it. To me, that's a lot of work for 
two, three days a year. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's just not practical for the average owner either. It's one thing for someone like myself who can go practice this stuff day in, day out, because it's what I do uh, is training. But the average owner, that's just not going to work. Okay. And we also find a similar um, parallel with thunderstorms, right? Same thing with thunderstorms. It's hard to replicate a thunderstorm short of living in the state of Florida. Uh, in the summer, come down here, man. You guys can work on thunderstorm uh, anxiety with your dogs pretty much seven days a week. <laughs> so I have, you know, in, in touching on that, I have had varied success with using thunderstorm noises on a big loud stereo. Same thing with fireworks. You know, look, dogs are smart and their ears are very sensitive and they know. And they can tell the difference between a fake noise and a real noise. Some dogs, not every dog. Some dogs, it's just the noise in general freaks them out, loud noise. So, um, all right. So anyway, let's 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 cover really quick in a nutshell the food stuff, right? Like, come on, guys. Let's let's we all got to be smart about food with our dogs on the holidays. We really do because there's so many awesome, delicious things to eat on Christmas, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New like literally November to January. We're having awesome stuff, but it's not so awesome for our dogs. You know, I, look, sugar is one of the biggest ones, right? We have sweet treats everywhere and people think, oh, a little bit of sweet treat isn't going to harm my dog. And sure, guys, sparingly a little sweet here, a little sweet there may not kill your dog, but people who go out and get their pup dog's pup cups, how many days a week at Starbucks and, and are then feeding them God only knows what else at home. Like we don't even think, think about something as simple as like ketchup, right? Not necessarily you're feeding your dog ketchup, but guys, do you have any idea how much sugar is in ketchup? Like do a Google, Google that. Go Google uh, the visual for how much sugar is in ketchup because you're going to never want to eat ketchup again. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy how much of our food is just absolutely chock full of sugar. So if you're already feeding your dog some people food here and there, bread, bread has a ton of sugar, feeding him bites of bread and then you're giving him sweets at New Year's and then Uncle Bob is giving him sweets and then your, your kid is giving him All of a sudden this adds up and all of a sudden your dog is getting way too much of something they shouldn't have. This is the kind of stuff that leads to diabetes in dogs. This is the kind of stuff that leads to health issues. And I know, David, it's just giving him something at the holidays. Guys, I'm a realist and I'm not a moron. If you're feeding your dog at the holidays, you're probably feeding your dog throughout the year. It's just, that's the way it goes. And then it just compounds. One of the biggest, look, the biggest, not even one of them, the biggest preventable health issue in dogs in the United States, the largest health issue that we have and the biggest preventable one, obesity. So any of you wagging your finger out there, Tell me I'm wrong. The facts say otherwise. Okay, We feed our dogs too much crap. So my biggest thing at the holidays is stop feeding your dog stuff, guys. Just stop doing it. Like give them a damn dog treat for crying out loud. Go to pets, any pet store, PetSmart, Petco, Pet Supermarket, Pet Lovers Are Us. I mean, the pets, everything. And how many aisles of dog treats, of treats designed with ingredients and thought in my, of a dog. And again, don't overdo it on the dog treats. But nonetheless, if you're going to give your dog a treat, give them a damn dog treat. All right, I'm getting off the soapbox. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm tired of people feeding their dogs people food and they don't understand why their dog has health problems or is obese or whatever. So, gee, that's a, that's a thinker. Um, okay, so that's the first thing. The other thing about sweets, guys, here's the other thing. Store-bought sweets or sweets that are pre-made or, or, or uh, like a processed food kind of thing. We've talked about it a thousand times, and I have to talk about it a thousand and one more. Xylitol. It is an artificial sweetener that is used in a variety of human foods. You would be surprised what you will find it in. Xylitol. Um, it's one of the peanut butter, you know, as I always say, peanut butter is one of the biggest ones that you're going to find it out there if you're not careful and you're not looking at your label. Just, to, you know, look, peanut butter, guys, look for the natural peanut butter. There's a lot of peanut butter in New Year's and Christmas sweets, right? Look for a natural peanut butter. 
okay? It's not gonna say xylitol, it's gonna say sugar. <laughs> Hopefully not corn syrup, right? If it's natural, I would like to think they're not gonna put corn syrup in it. Anyway, uh, but that's a rule in our household. We only have natural peanut butters that come in here because it, any other peanut butter could potentially have xylitol. I'm not playing that game, not gonna take the risks, okay? So again, just something you may not think about, pre-made sweets might actually have something not only toxic for your dog, but something potentially deadly for your dog. Go ask your veterinarian how much the calls uptick at Christmas and New Year's and ask what those calls are for because I can guarantee you that if it's not a Christmas decoration, it's food that they've gotten that they shouldn't have, okay? Just don't take my word for it. Ask your local vet, right? Um, okay, so the food stuff, guys, alcohol. I shouldn't need to say this, but I have to. Stop giving your dogs alcohol, right? Like enough is enough. And look, we have to touch on it now because how many states is it legalized? But marijuana, I mean, we got to talk about it. Um, dogs are getting a hold of their, their owner's marijuana and it can be a problem. And look, if you know your dog did get something they shouldn't have in that sense, please be honest with your veterinarians, guys. It's only going to help them treat and help your dog more by being honest. They're not going to call the police on you, all right? They want to help your pet and they want to help you. Accidents do happen, right? Like, Accidents happen. Sometimes your dogs get a hold of food or your medication, um, and it's not on purpose, but it can be a death. So again, just please keep these things out of reach from your pets over the holidays, all right? Or at any time for that matter. Okay. Uh, now look, we talked about it on the Christmas episode too, but we have to talk about it again. Guys, update your dog tags. Make sure your dog, this is like just number one. Fourth of July and New Year's Eve are the two holidays that dogs get out of the homes and get lost the most. Not only get out, what happens when they get out on New Year's? We have drunk drivers, it's dark, there's fireworks, there's smoke. Dogs are going to get hit by cars, guys. Like, this is some serious stuff. So please make sure, bare minimum, you're updating your dog's tags and microchip information, making sure it's up to date. And of course, that leads us to keeping the doors closed in the house. As I said before in the Christmas special, have to keep the door. Guys, put notes on the door, post-it notes, signs, put an alarm on the door if you have to for crying out loud. I don't want to see your pets get lost this holiday season. And the easiest, the best, the safest way to do this is to put your dog, uh, or to keep your doors closed. And with that said, put your dog in a crate if you have to, guys. Now, we're going to get into the fireworks side here in a second. So with the crate, be knowledgeable on if your dog is going to panic and freak out. We don't want to make them feel worse about the fireworks situation. So the crate may not be the best idea, which we'll, we'll get into in a second. But um, containment, guys, containment. Put them in a room. Close the door. Containment is always my preference to risking having a door open if you're having a party or something like that. So um, I can't stress it enough. Fireworks or no fireworks, you've got to keep your dogs inside your house. It seems pretty simple and obvious, but I'm telling you, it, it number, those two holidays... Dogs are getting out left and right. And you have to think about it. Your dog could be in a panic state. It may not even be the door is not left open much, but if that dog's looking for an out and sees it, so you need to be aware. You need your guests to be aware. Okay, on to the fireworks. So what do you do with fireworks and your dog? Okay, so I'll, I'll start with like talking about my dogs a little bit. Um, you know, I have, I think part of, part of what we got lucky with is that we used to live in Orlando and we actually lived pretty close to the theme parks. And you could hear the fireworks from Disney and Universal uh, in the two different houses we lived in over the years in Orlando. We, you could hear the fireworks in both homes. Um, most of the time, they're pretty faint in the distance, but nonetheless, it's a, you know, it's that booming noise. And I think to some degree, my dogs got used to it because like, like I said at the beginning of the segment, if I had the opportunity to desensitize, if I had that opportunity to get those fireworks every single day going at my house, eventually the dogs are going to go, 
all right, whatever. Like nothing's happening. It happens every day. We're fine. Cool. That's called conditioning, right? Um, so I'm probably had a leg up. I probably had a leg up with those dogs, um, from that, but let's talk about my newer dogs. Now, Nemo, Captain Nemo, I adopted him and I mean, he's a coonhound, guys. He's pretty fear. Those dogs are known for being pretty fearless. He doesn't give a crap about fireworks, loud noises, nothing. Uh, he just kind of came to me that way. So I got lucky with him. Didn't have to do anything. Riker. Now, Riker was a puppy. Um, we adopted him at 10 weeks old. And he, that was uh, that was May, April, May, April, May. Either way, he was a young puppy and on his first 4th of July. And here's the, here's what most, what are most people, what is your inclination? What are most people going to do on the 4th of July with a puppy? <gasps> we need to keep him inside. He might get scared. Oh, we don't want, we have to take him out before the fireworks start or else he may not want to go. And then, and then we got to bring him inside and we'll just coddle him. It's a, yeah. most people are going to anticipate a problem before the problem even happens. They're already thinking it's a problem and it's not yet. Right? So I did the opposite of that. I just let it happen and did our thing. When I needed to take him out, I took him out on leash, right? I'm not taking a puppy out off leash in the middle of fireworks for the first time going, let's see what happens. No, leashing him up. And yeah, the first boom, he perked up and ears went up like, what the hell? And all I did was redirect him. I went, hey, buddy, good boy, sit. And he sat down, looked up at me and I gave him a treat. He was like, oh, okay, whatever, cool. And then he heard the boom again and then perks up again, stands up like, <gasps> and then I go, hey, dude, sit. Good boy, gave him a treat. A couple things to take away here. Number one, I'm redirecting his focus away from being perked up. Now, he wasn't fearful yet. It was more like unsure. That's the time to take care of it right there. Don't wait for him to be fearful. Don't wait for him to get more scared. Redirect that focus and go, hey, not a big deal. Good boy. Then second thing, second takeaway. I asked him for something he already knew. I asked for a condition response such as a sit. He knew a sit command very well, so it's easy. Not only did I redirect him with a kissing noise redirection, but I'm almost changing the way his brain is because, right, dogs have a one-track mind. If he's so focused on this noise, and then all of a sudden I put him into this old conditioned behavior. Oh, I sit down and I get a treat. All of a sudden that, un that unsureness goes away. It doesn't matter anymore because we've honed in on that sit all of a sudden. Oh, cool, I'll sit down, yeah, I'll look at it. Wait, where's that boom again? Oh, dad redirected me back to sit. Oh, get out of the tree? Okay, cool. All of a sudden, we're changing the conditioned response to this boom noise. The original the original response wasn't conditioned, it was the first response ever was a, what is that? But then I change it to sit down, get a reward. Relax and get a reward. Relax, get a reward. Hear this boom, relax, get a reward. Hear this boom, relax, get a reward. I literally conditioned Riker to not give a crap about the firework noises. And sure enough, he doesn't care about the firework noises. I can take him out in the middle of 4th of July, New Year's Eve, doesn't matter. He will do his business, do his thing, act like it's just another day. We have this inclination to want to helicopter parent our dogs and cover them and hold them and make sure everything's okay. When in fact, that is the opposite of how a dog is wired. They are predators, guys. It is in their instinct to to have that confidence and we don't nurture that enough. And then we get anxiety. Okay. So easy enough when we have a puppy, easy enough when there's no conditioned behavior. What happens when we already have a dog who is scared? What happens, David, I didn't do it the right way. My dog is scared of fireworks. We did it the wrong way. What can we do? What can we do? Okay. So like I said at the beginning, guys, sometimes it's not a matter of fixing because you may not have the luxury of having Disney World next door to you and having the fireworks however many days a week and being able to really, truly spend the time reconditioning that response. So it's more about managing the behavior. 
Now we do are going to take a lot of the things that I did for Puppy Riker and apply them to uh, anxious Fluffy, <laughs> right? Three-year-old Fluffy who's always been anxious to virus. Um, excuse me. We're going to still try to redirect. That's the first place I recommend starting, guys. Inside the house, right? Don't go outside. Don't throw them in the middle of the fireworks. Let's not go nuts here. Let's take it one step at a time. But I like to try to just grab a treat pouch and just try to go through, run through some treats from some or tricks, excuse me, some tricks or some commands that my dog knows to help redirect that focus and take that focus elsewhere. A lot of times bringing in a really highly desirable treat, something you know your dog really loves. I always recommend like duck or salmon. Sometimes dogs, I mean, they love the bacon treats, but I want to up it. Hell, boil up a little bit of chicken or steak, right? Get, I want to up, there's the people food. Say, aha, David, you're breaking your rule. No, I'm really not. Because here's the thing, guys. It's steak. I'm not talking about a potato chip. I'm not talking about processed foods. And I'm talking about boiling it in water with no salt, no pepper, no oil, no no sugar, none of the stuff we add to a sauce, no sauces, nothing. I'm talking about boiled steak, all right? There's a difference between people food and that. And again, I'm talking about using this as a sparing treat as a treat that I'm as is a real enticing thing that only comes out every now and then like say New Year's or Fourth of July. We're gonna up it. We're gonna up the reward and up that enticement and motivation to want to ignore those fireworks and pay attention to mom or dad. See what I'm saying here? So if we can start redirecting that focus, sometimes even just playtime, get out their favorite toy and try playing with them. Again, our instinct tends to be, oh, it's okay, it's okay. And all we're doing is telling Fluffy, keep being anxious, keep being anxious. And in fact, what we need is the tough love, okay? Notice with Riker, right? I, it was tough, that's tough love, what I did with Riker when he was a puppy. He was a little unsure, and instead of going, yeah, it's okay, when hey, dude, sit, good boy. Believe it or not, guys, that's tough love. I'm not coddling him, I'm not reinforcing the anxiety, and instead I'm trying to reinforce confidence. Tough love. See what I'm saying? That's what it takes to get your dog past an anxiety. But again, managing. So let's say our dog doesn't respond to the redirections very well. It's not really working. <sighs> Guys, this is where management comes in. Let's find a closet. Let's find an interior closet in the house that we can put a nice bed in, some comfy things, uh, familiar blankets with familiar smell, some of their favorite things. Let them be in there and let them be quiet. Maybe put on a white noise machine in the room, the TV a little bit loud to try to drown out some of that so it's harder for them to focus on every little crackle and noise of a firework, okay? This is where managing a behavior can sometimes come in on a holiday like this. And there's nothing wrong with it because you're not trying to reinforce and increase it. You're not in there coddling them. You're just giving them a safe place and then leaving them to their to that to themselves, okay? That's one of the best ways we can try to get them to relax and not reinforce the behavior. And at the same time, kind of give and take a little bit, right? We're still giving them a comfortable spot, but we're not trying to reinforce the anxiety, right? A little bit of the middle ground is the way we have to look at that, okay? Um... So yeah, it, it, it can be a tough thing. It really can. And look, this is where we go, go a little further, where if your dog is really pacing and acting a little crazy, leashing them up to your side might not be a bad idea. Trying to get them to relax. Again, I'm not going, it's okay, it's okay. I go, no, hey, sit, good, stay. Start trying to get up and pace again. They're on leash. I may give a little redirection with the leash. Hey, sit, stay, good. Sometimes crating is the better option because sometimes it'll take away that pacing. At the same time, we gotta be careful. We don't want the dogs to work themselves up too much in the crate and hurt themselves or anything like that. So obviously be aware, know your dog, know their behavior, know their temperament in these type of uh, types of settings and environments and know the best way to approach it. We can also try on leash first. Try a little bit of crate and keep an eye on them and see how they're doing. Try different things to alleviate the anxiety, but don't coddle them and reinforce it, okay? 
uh, it's tough, guys. These holidays can be a little tough. Uh, going after some of my other dogs, Penny Lane, she used to not love the fireworks. Um, she would definitely, <laughs> she didn't pace really much. She would usually try to find just like a spot on the couch and just lay there, <laughs> a little panty. Again, we didn't reinforce it. We didn't coddle her and she got over it. She started getting over it. Now, by the end, yeah, like she still didn't love fireworks, but she wasn't like anxious and shaking about them. Uh, usually 4th of July, I'd have to like kind of go, come on, Penny, let's go, let's go get her up. I needed you to go pee. She'd go pee. She'd hear the fireworks, go pee in the first spot she could and turn around and walk right back inside. Not run, not panicky. Just like, yeah, I don't love this. <laughs> I'll do my thing. I'll pee, dad, fine, but I'm coming back inside. Okay. I'm cool with that. I don't need your dog to be in love with fireworks. I just need them to be cool with it. And that's what Penny gave me. And I'm, you know, cool. Same thing with Colby Jack. By the end, he really didn't care as much about the fireworks, but usually he'd kind of pee, do his thing and be like, yeah, all right, I want to go back inside now. I don't really want to stand in here with this. Um, so it's one of those things where, again, I don't need them to be best friends with a firework. <laughs> I just need them to be somewhat cool with it. So sometimes it's about managing. Sometimes it's about knowing what to reinforce and not reinforce. And it was kind of like a lot of info because I gave you the info to start with as a puppy, learning how to not reinforce that stuff, uh, learning. And we can apply those same principles to even adult dogs. But then we want to try to redirect it with play, with, with commands, with treats, anything to redirect that focus away. Look, I'm fine with a little bit of bribing on New Year's Eve and 4th of July, guys. That is definitely the time to cheat, to try to switch that, flip that light switch in their brain to turn that off, okay? I'm cool with that, all right? So remember, keep all those things in mind. And the other thing, oh, I hadn't mentioned, of course, guys, the five, three, four, five days leading up to New Year's Eve, you bet your butt, you better be exercising your dog extra. I'm talking playtime with the tennis ball, extra walks, going and seeing their best buds and playing, extra doggy day camp time, whatever it takes, get your dog extra, extra tired because that makes a huge difference. If they have the energy to be anxious, they'll be anxious, right? They don't have the energy to be anxious, they might still be a little anxious, but it may not be as intense. You might be surprised. I'm telling you, test that one out. It's what's today. Today's the uh, 20, well, it'll be the 27th when this comes out. So test it out. See what happens. You got a couple days till New Year's Eve. I'm telling you, exercise, exercise. It is the key. It really is. Okay. Also, don't forget all those wonderful food tips like not feeding our dog people food, <laughs> keeping people food without a reach, keeping medications out of reach of our dogs, and of course, making sure those doors stay shut, keeping our dogs contained, putting them in a room, putting them in a crate, leashing them to our side, whatever it takes. New Year's and 4th of July are the number one and two holidays that dogs get out and escape, potentially get hurt, or potentially never come home. Keep that in the back of your brain. Stay safe out there. Practice safe things with your pets, with your families, with your friends, and I will see you guys in the new year. Happy New Year. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? Well, we can help. At the Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Our virtual training programs are catered to you and your pet and create a training plan that gets results. For more information, you can check out our website at www.thenatureoftraining.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. With the ability to connect, teach, and train with pet owners around the world, together we can make a better home for our furry friends. The Nature of Training and Speak a Dogcast, helping you achieve success with your pet.
on Speaking Dogcast, do you need another dog? I'm going to tell you, the answer is probably no. <laughs> Look, it's a popular thing this time of year, getting a second dog. My dog's lonely, blah, blah, blah. Oh, David, you're being mean. Yes, yes, I am, because people get dogs for all the wrong, excuse me, second, well, dogs and second dogs for all the wrong reasons. Look, any of you guys that are longtime dog owners, you know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's people out there who aren't providing enough for their first dog. Their first dog is destructive or anxious or whatever the slew of behavioral issues there are. And the solution is let's get a second dog. Yay. No, bad idea. Bad, bad, bad idea, guys. There are a very small percentage of cases where the answer is a second dog when it comes to behavioral problems with the first dog. I don't understand the mentality. It's like, oh, we have a bratty child. Let's get a second child for him to be bratty with. What? No, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> train your children, train your dogs. Uh, it, it, I, we, we, people, people get mad when I say people should train their children. They do. They get upset. And I'm like, I'm sorry. It, isn't that like called teaching your child? Parenting? Isn't that called parenting? Training? Isn't that another fancier word for it? Parenting. Okay, we've forgotten what that is too, haven't we? Whoa, David. Okay, so, <laughs> so, look, usually when you get a second dog and you already have, no, let me rephrase that. Almost always when you get a second dog and you have behavioral issues with the first dog, it's only going to do one thing. Amplify all your problems and multiply all your problems. You guys know how multiplication works, right? Like one bad dog times another bad dog. <laughs> Or a dog who doesn't know and learns bad behaviors from the first dog because there's no other dog to learn from equals more bad behaviors. Oh my gosh, I see it time and time again. And, and the funny thing is, it's like, why don't you, I don't know, try training. Like, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck here. I'm being 100% honest. Why don't you try to solve the behavioral problems of your first dog before you go out and get a second? Because guys, dogs are dogs. Like, they're not... They're not geniuses. I mean this in a very loving way, and this is why we love dogs, because they are simplistic and they are dogs. Bringing in a second dog, it's like, does the dog have a degree? Do they have a PhD in, in dog psychology that they're going to help the dog with their first with the first dog with their issues? Is that is is that how this works? Did I did I miss something that Dr. Bark is, <laughs> is going to come in and and fix your first dog's problems? Is that no, David, my first dog has too much energy. Oh, so what you're telling me is you're under-exercising your first dog, under-stimulating your first dog, and not providing enough fulfillment that they need internally, and you think bringing in a second dog is going to do that. Well, no, that's not what I said. Well, you just said your dog doesn't get enough exercise, and do you see the problem here? As a professional, guys, this stuff gets under my skin, and most people I know poo-poo me, David, it's just... Guys, I, I could prevent so many behavioral issues if people would just fix the problems with their dog, if people would just seek out professional help with their dogs. Like, I, I hate to break it to you, and it's funny, I see the same thing with parents, and I'm a kid too, I have parents, um, where parents love to, right, they love to like look at their kids, especially once they get more grown and like older, even like, and go, gosh, you know. I don't like all the, where did they get that from? Where did they learn that from? It's like, guys, I'm pretty sure your child grew up under your roof, under your tutelage, under your rules. So something you did or didn't do facilitated that nature, nurture, you know, you guys heard of these things, right? So either it was genetic or you did it.
through through nurture. <laughs> People hate to have that mirror, right? Put up in front of them. Oh, I it was something I did or didn't do that caused my kid to be like this? No. Really? No way. So you're saying my dog works the same way? <gasps> Oh my gosh, David, you're so mean. You're so mean. I am, I am, I'm mean. What can I say? I'm truthful. You want to view that as mean. You know, I'm honest. My job is to be. This is this is what people don't understand about my line of work, is they literally think my job is to play with dogs and play make-believe and happy-go-lucky and yay and, and anthropomorphize dogs and tell you what the dog is feeling and da-dee-da-dee-da. Like people think that's my job. And that is literally the opposite of what my job is. If I sugarcoat things, my clients will never get at the core of what's happening. If I don't tell clients from a dog psychology perspective what's going on, and I and I, I lie to them and I go, well, you know, the dog's not listening because you're not. No, no, no. no the dog's not listening because you're not providing a leadership role to them. No, your dog is ripping up your house because you're not, because you've got a shepherd and you don't walk them. Not because they need a second fluffy in the home. Yeah, I know this 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 segment got serious fast. Because to me, guys, you're doing two now you now not only are you doing one dog a disservice, you're not doing two dogs a disservice. My job is to look out for the for what's best. What's in the best interest of dogs? Your dog, my dog, client dog, that's my job. That is literally my job. And when I have a client not looking out for those best interests, it is my job to say something. Whether people want to hear the truth or not, that's the truth. Most people should not have two dogs. There, I said it. Most, not all. I have met plenty of people over the years that have two dogs and do it very well. Okay, so let's let's look at the other side. David, what do you... No, I'm not saying you shouldn't have two dogs. What I am saying is you shouldn't use a second dog to solve the problems of your first dog. It's very simple. Being very black and white here. That's what I'm saying. Open, shut case. Stop getting a second dog to solve the issues you created with your first dog. Because if you think that's gonna fix everything, boy, you got another thing coming. These are, these, are, these are lives we're talking about. These are animals. These are living creatures. You know what I mean? They have feelings. To what depth? We're not talking about that today. But they have feelings, guys. These are living, breathing creatures. And you're using it as a crutch for your failures with your first dog. Whoa! How is that okay? It's not. It's really not. And I applaud the people out there who don't just go and get a second dog because they know, they understand. This dog's got some issues. We gotta fix this first. Let's let's get on it. And look, to, 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 to look at the other side of it, is people get a second dog for socialization. Guys, this is why they make dog parks. This is why you could have friends that have dogs. Your dog doesn't need to be friends with one dog that lives with them like it's not a necessity you know why because dogs are pack animals and you're their pack you be their pack play with your dog exercise your dog stimulate your dog if you don't want to do those things why'd you get a dog right that's that's just the truth if you don't want to provide for your dog why'd you get a dog i'm not talking food and vet care i'm talking mentally and physically if you don't want to provide mentally and physically for your dog Why'd you get one? Good question. So, yeah, this is going to be a wag of the finger before the new year. Don't go out and get a second dog, please. Just because. 
I want you to think about it. I want you to know this is a good decision getting a second dog because like I said, it can be for certain owners, but not for everybody and not for most people. You know, Whew, my goodness. I've walked in some crazy homes before. Um, I remember years ago, I had somebody who had five dogs ranging in different sizes and breeds, five dogs, five dogs and three children. And I mean, this house was chaos is the only word to say it. Pure chaos. And I, I, I tried to, I'm not even kidding. I tried to back out of it at the consultation and go, guys, I, <laughs> I can't help you because this environment is, I could, I couldn't even imagine getting any of them to do a consistent walk. Like literally every day of the week for them was completely different. Nothing was the same. Stuff, just crap all over the house. Dog stuff everywhere. None of the five dogs had been walked in ever. The dogs were destroying the house. And I mean, a case like that, guys, we're talking years to fix because this isn't just dog training. This is human training. Oof. Tough, like tough stuff, you know? And it's funny, people, people don't really, you, you know, a lot of jobs, right? A lot of jobs, you just, you have an office or you're Zooming or, or, or whatever, you know? You go, my job, I go into people's homes. I see a lot of things and it, it, it says a lot about your dogs. Just in 30 seconds walking into an environment, I can learn a lot about how people interact with their dogs, own their dogs, whether they walk them or not just from their home, just from them, just from that first hello. It's all psychology, it all interrelates. So if we're getting a second dog, chances are we're trying to fill some void. It's true. A void of not providing for your dog, a void of emotional something for yourself. So a lot of times these second dogs are crutches but these are living, breathing creatures. And we have to think about that. We have to take that into consideration. And if you don't, you're doing that dog a disservice and it's not right. It's not right. It's the same thing like at Easter time with all the bunnies, all the rabbits that get adopted out left and right, you know, like, and then get tossed aside in a month or let go in the environment or whatever, all the different places those rabbits end up. It's how we ended up with a rabbit once. Someone left it. Um, I think it was on top of a trash can at a Walmart or something. And someone I knew saw it there and brought it to me because they knew, you know, we, we, we could take care of the bunny. It's just crazy. Anyway, so that's the thing is that's what ends up happening too, is you get a second dog and we have some serious, let's say we have some serious problems. Let's say aggression starts becoming an issue between the two. What do you think happens to the new dog? Out the door, buddy. So now you've brought in a second dog, created more behavioral problems, and then kicked them to the curb for somebody else to deal with. I see it time and time again. I implore you to think deeply, to think long and hard about if a second dog is right for you and your family. Because again, as a professional with four, four where are we at? 2024, 15 years almost of experience here. Most people don't need two dogs, guys. Most people don't. This is coming from the heart from a professional. Think long and hard, make responsible decisions, and fix your first dog's behavior first before you're thinking about going out and getting a second dog.
Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's the history of Animal Mascots 101. Today, we'll be talking about the University of Washington. Any of you college football fans out there, you know Washington is currently ranked number two, and they will be playing in the college football playoff to get their chance to play in the national championship. And, well, look, you college football fans out there, you all know the drama going on. You know what's happening. And honestly, the drama is coming from like 20 different directions, really, right? There's a lot of different things creating a domino effect, I think, that are uh, giving us the results that we're seeing in the fact that maybe not, maybe not, maybe so, the deserve, most deserving schools are not ending up in the college football playoff. Maybe they are. Uh, remains to be seen. Really quick, my two cents, not that it matters, <laughs> my two cents on what's happening in college football. I'll be honest, guys, I, I personally think the portal, this trading, all this stuff, all we're doing is creating a minor league for the NFL. We're creating a secondary professional league, and I think it's going to be the downfall of college football. I really do. Look what's happening with Florida State in their bowl game. All their players are just piecing out. They're out. They're not going to play. How can you ever determine, it doesn't matter who the, how can you ever determine one through ten if teams aren't going to put their best foot forward no matter what game they play in. I think it's sad. I think it's sad what's happening uh, to everything. And the University of Washington, they're in the Pac-12 right now. However, at the end of this year, Pac-12 will be completely dissolved, won't it? Um, well, that's what we think. Anyway, so, you know, I'm really just not a fan of the direction college football is going, which is a shame because I've been a fan of college football my literally my entire life. Um, never been like a diehard and got to know every player's name, but I do enjoy it. And I'll be honest, it takes a lot of the enjoyment of the game away for the fans when the players are so involved in their own BS and drama that they forget the reason that they're there in the first place to play football and get a college degree. That's just my two cents, but hey, doesn't really matter because my say doesn't have any effect on anything except you guys listening to me. All right. So the University of Washington, let's talk about animals, David. University of Washington was founded in 1861, and they are the one of the oldest universities on the West Coast of the United States. The main campus is located in Seattle. Now, the school aptly named themselves the Huskies, although this was not always the case, right? Cold uh, dog that's uh, good for the cold weather aptly named for the Northwest United States. Now, before 1920, the school actually had two unofficial mascots. They were the Indians at one point, and then they became the Vikings. Neither name stuck, and the local newspapers actually started referring to the team, uh, the, the sports teams by their colors instead, the purple and gold. Now, in 1920, there was a general election held among the students to decide on a new mascot. They came up with the Sun Dodgers, <laughs> reference to the city's rainy weather. Like, I get it, but really? Sun Dodger? Okay. By 1922, people did not like the negative con uh, connotation associated with the rainy weather, and they pressured the school into changing the mascot to something, well, more suitable. And the Associated Students of the University of Washington was then given the task to come up with a better mascot. And in February 1922, the Husky made his debut at a basketball game, being named the official mascot of the school. Now, the committee thought that, do that the dog truly captured the spirit of the Northwest because, well, Seattle was recognized as the gateway to the Alaskan frontier. Uh, Husky kind of all made sense. The school does hold an interesting record for their mascot, though. They are, in fact, the only college that has a mascot representing their school that is different from their name. So that's right. The, the Originally, a live Siberian Husky, because they're the Huskies, was used at the games from 1921 to 1960. However, starting in 1961, a hereditary line of Alaskan Malamutes were used and have been used ever since. So different breed of dog representing the Huskies. 
Now, the Malamute is a larger, stronger dog than the Husky, so the school felt that maybe it was a better representation for all of their sports teams. But because of the large size of the dogs, this actually makes it hard to travel for away games and the logistics of everything. So in 1995, the school came up with a solution. What else but an anthropomorphic mascot? Yes, Harry the Husky joined the mascot team and has since been joined by Hendrix the Husky, most likely his brother. The answer to today's trivia question, what is the only other mammal besides a bat that can glide? It's the flying squirrel. Next on Speaker Dogcast, it's the listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Ezra from Long Island, New York. Ezra says, my dog is a small mutt, about 15 pounds. She's sweet as can be and overall just a really good dog. But she does not like the fireworks. She used to pace around the house panting and acting anxious. But last 4th of July, she just sat and shook. Now, a little panting, but mostly shaking. I don't want her to be scared, but I also don't want to make it worse. What should I do? Ezra, great question. Obviously, we had our segment today on New Year's and dealing with the fireworks a bit. Uh, so, of course, you can you know listen to that. This was just happened to be kind of coincidental timing for this question. Uh, not coincidental. Of course, it's New Year's. I mean, it makes sense, right? But we did the, the uh, segment on it today. Uh, but I do want to kind of touch on this. You know, I, I'm reading that, obviously, you are saying that she's always had issues with the fireworks. But last July right? We're not panting and pacing. We're just kind of shaking and maybe panting a little bit. From what I'm seeing, that's actually coming down. It's better. It's better than it was. Um, To me, look, obviously sitting and shaking is not ideal, but the fact that your dog was pacing, panting constantly, and now this past uh, past 4th of July, more just try, what I'm seeing is your dog's trying to deal with it, right? The pacing has stopped. If we think about it, pacing is, if we kind of go back to like fight and flight, pacing is a bit of, of that flight. We're trying to get away. The issue is the sound is around them 360 degrees. They're also in this house and can't get away. So it turns into this nervous pacing, okay? Now, what probably happened is your dog realized, and again, not every dog's gonna gonna do this. This is not always an ideal, but to me, this is kind of ideal because your dog paced, realized this isn't getting me anything. I'm not dying. Okay, I'm just gonna try, I'll try to sit and deal with it. Like that's that's kind of what's happening, at least to some degree, because obviously it's coming down, right? She's not pacing anymore. So to me, I kind of see that as a little bit of a win. Now, whatever you did last 4th of July, <laughs> let's try to keep that going. Right? Maybe we can do a little bit more, but whatever you did do, whatever you did do from New Year's to 4th of July last year, clearly something worked. Right? Um, so obviously, like I said in the segment, you want to exercise your dog more, if you can, um, before New Year's, days leading up, not just the day of, not just the day before, a couple days leading up. I want you to up your exercise. Not too much. Don't, you know, don't overdo it. But I want your dog to have a little more exercise than they normally do, so that way she's going to be a little tired. Um, you know, again, to me, this is, this, this is the kind of thing where... Just like a couple episodes ago, sometimes the title title segment, doing nothing can be everything. This is one of those moments where it might behoove you. This might be the time to kind of back off and just try to let your dog settle. Okay, I know people want to, oh, but David, he's so scared. I want to help him. Guys, sometimes doing nothing is helping your dog because you're not reinforcing that behavior. Not only that, by doing nothing, you're actually showing your dog, hey, this isn't a big deal. I'm just going to act normal. Like it's a normal day. I'm going to do my normal thing. Nothing's going to be different. The more you act different, the more you (gasps) obsess over them, the more they think this is strange. This is weird. I should be scared. 
So this might be one of those moments where doing nothing can be everything. Okay. Um, at the same time, you know, take all my tips from the segment, try to apply those other things, but don't overdo it, right? A little bit can go a long way, especially because I'm hearing your dog is coming off of it. So, uh, you know, you're not really doing anything wrong as far as I'm concerned, okay? And just try to do those few things to, to maybe push it over the edge and help your dog just that much more to get them over. But again, to me, I'm this is sort of one of those situations I might just kind of back off, let the dog try to relax, and then maybe once they do relax, if she does go and lie down and maybe gives off one of those sighs and relaxes, then I'll go over, give her a quick pet, and then walk away and be done. Again, not making it a big deal, okay? All right, so good luck, Ezra, and I hope you have a peaceful New Year's. Next question. This comes from Sydney from Jacksonville, Florida. Sydney says, my dog will not stop begging me for food. My wife fed him a couple of times when he was younger. She says she stopped, and now we cannot have a meal without him sitting near us and whining. It's driving me crazy. He's only about a year and a half old, so I'm really hoping that we can stop this behavior now before he gets older and this becomes too ingrained. Sydney, great question. Okay, uh, look, I, I, I'm not pointing fingers. <laughs> I don't want to start a fight here between spouses. However, I will say, you're saying your wife has stopped feeding your dog, but your dog is still sitting there and begging? Hmm, maybe your dog, maybe your wife's not like directly feeding her, but could she be quote unquote dropping a piece? <laughs> could we have accidentally dropped that piece of cheese? That's still feeding your dog, okay? Like I I, I know, uh, the problem is it's not feeding your dog actively, like giving it to them. The problem is they're still associating eating time with food. So look, your wife may have stopped. There are some dogs out there where it just gets so ingrained at an early age that they'll try for a good year even if they don't get anything out of it because in the past they did. The reward was big enough to warrant uh, wanting to wait for it, okay? So <laughs> that's the first thing is, look, you gotta have the serious talk with your wife of, sweetheart, honey, are you really not feeding the dog? Like 100%, are you really not feeding the dog? Because I know I, you know, it's, hey, Right? You don't always do 100% of what you say. Everybody's, we're human, right? We're human, so it's okay. But I'm telling you, you've gotta tell your wife to stop feeding the dog uh, at mealtime. Look, I've, I've had my segments on feeding do uh, dogs people food and all that. We don't need to get into to that setup, but I will say if you are going to feed your dog any form of people food, I highly recommend, one, not doing it while you're eating, ever. Don't do it while you're eating, because your dog's gonna associate that and be there every damn time. You bet your butt, when well, they're not stupid. <laughs> That's the first thing. And the second thing is you're going to put that people food, you're gonna put it in their bowl. You're gonna put it in their dog bowl. And again, not while you're eating. 30 minutes after you're done eating, take it, go put it in their food bowl. Now there's no association with eating, okay, with you guys eating the food. Okay, now how do you get them to stop? This is where a spot command can come in handy. I like to utilize the spot. There's many different ways, but I would say one of the easiest is to teach your dog a spot command and tell them to go to their spot and stay. Then you eat your food and they stay there and they learn to ignore you. It's gonna take some time, could take a couple weeks, could only be a few days. Uh, but I recommend going back, teaching your dog a spot and then teaching them that neutral position and to stay while you're eating. And that way it creates that healthy separation between you guys eating and them just relaxing. Okay, um, so hey, good luck, Sydney. Uh, again, though, the first thing you gotta do is make sure you're eliminating that we're not feeding. Nobody in the house is feeding your dog at mealtimes, but good luck out there, and let me know if you need any more help.
That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday and you're going to want to check them out. You can find me on Instagram at speakadogcast and we have our brand new training tip Tuesdays. So click that subscribe button and I get a brand new dog training tip every single Tuesday. Subscribe to my YouTube channel at speakadogcast. If you'd like to support the show even further, become a patron at patreon.com slash speakadogcast. I would like to thank my patrons, my pup supporter, Regula Wright, and my dog friend, Maureen Crossing. Have a wonderful week and don't forget to get out there and walk your dog. Oh,